Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Women of Wonder. During this series, we'll dive into the stories of some of the courageous and obedient women of the Bible to see how we can each learn, grow, and be challenged to put our faith into action. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Well, look, we're excited uh, to be here in this series. Uh, This series is called Women of Wonder, and, you know, it's very fitting. We had a woman baptized at the first service and a woman baptized at the second service, and we're just thrilled to see what God is doing in our midst and in our community. Um, You know, Scripture is filled with women who accomplished amazing things and changed the world and spread the good news of Jesus. We read the stories of those women who had dramatic, life-changing conversions and took daring steps of faith. Women who courageously risked their lives for God and who were faithful and obedient, even when it would have been easy to turn and run. So in this series, we are diving into some of those stories to see what those women did and see what we can learn from them about our faith. And today, we're going to look at the story of two sisters who were Christ followers. And we're going to see how God created them and wired them and gifted their personalities in unique ways. So as followers of Jesus, it's extremely important for us to discover how God created each one of us with our unique and individual designs. Now, I'm going to pause here just for a moment because you heard David say during announcements that uh, we have growth track today and it's step two. Uh, Providentially, step two is the step in growth track where you learn to discover your unique design. You know, as a church, we want to help people grow and mature in their faith. And we have two ways to do that, through life groups and through growth tracks. And growth track is simply a pathway to help you grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't started taking the growth track, to please stay after today. Take it. Uh, it'll start at 1230. It lasts a little less than an hour. So I encourage you to do that. Now, let me go back. Look, it's our hope this morning that uh, spending this time examining the lives of these two women, these two sisters, Martha and Mary, that we're going to learn something not just about them as followers of Jesus Christ, but we're going to learn something about ourselves But I have to say this, whenever you preach about uh, Martha and Mary, you you know, we're going to examine these two women and their personalities. And listen, it's going to be very tempting to think one is better than the other. And thus, it's going to be tempted to apply the same judgment to other people and uh, to look at them and say, oh, they're more Martha or they're more Mary. And, you know, to make some type of value conclusion. That's not the goal of today. Look, both types Martha types and Mary types are needed. And really, ultimately, I think we all just need to balance that in our lives. So let's start with Martha. Martha was a dedicated and devoted servant. Now, we don't know how Martha and Mary and, her bro- and their brother Lazarus met Jesus, but it's clear from the stories that we read in the four Gospels that they had known Jesus and they had opened their house to him whenever he needed it. So when you read all the stories about Martha and Mary, it's clear that they all loved Jesus, that they believed in him, that they followed him, and that he loved them dearly too. So each woman's personality 
is going to be revealed as we look at these stories straight out of Scripture. All right. Martha's personality is revealed clearly as one who's dedicated and devoted to serving Jesus and his mission. So let's just pick up here in Scripture from the Gospel of Luke, okay? We read, Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Uh, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her house to him. And then we read in verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. We'll stop right there. So think this through. Jesus and his 12 disciples uh, show up for dinner. Uh, And it says it's Martha's house. Now that phrase tells us something. It probably tells us because this would have been the order in the ancient world that you would list the oldest person first. So Martha's probably oldest of all three of them. Um, So we know that that means that she's also in charge because she's the oldest, okay? Um, But the next sentence, we see that she busied herself with showing hospitality to the group. Now, We don't know if it was a planned visit or if it was just a drop-in visit unannounced. But nevertheless, entertaining, hosting, preparing a meal for 13 people plus family, that's a big deal. Uh, That's a lot. Um, And so there was a lot to prepare, a lot to do. And Martha's frustration with her younger sister began to show as she was making preparations. Uh, so, one day, so that day, her irritation with Mary exploded. And in exasperation, she'd been working in the kitchen to prepare this meal, and, and her sister Mary had settled at the feet of Jesus to listen to what he was teaching. Now, you got to imagine it was hot in the kitchen, and Martha was very uh, harried, and she struggled to do everything herself. And so she finally burst into the room where Jesus was teaching the disciples, and she demanded that he send Mary to the kitchen to help her. And when you read the dialogue, what you see is that Jesus refused, gently telling Martha that Mary had chosen the good part. You see, food for the body was important, but food for the soul was more important. It wasn't wrong to be committed to fulfilling the role, but it was wrong to place so much emphasis on fulfilling that role that Martha had no time for her own personal growth and faith with Jesus. Sue Richards writes this. She goes, Martha stands for all the individuals today who expend their energy doing good things and having no time to deepen their relationship with God. You see, there's an imbalance there. All right. So, you know, this is what I want you really to see, though. It's important that you see that Martha did not lack faith. In fact, uh, she had great faith in Jesus. When her brother Lazarus was deathly ill, she and Mary Believing that Jesus could heal him, sent a message to Jesus asking him to come and heal him. But by the time that Jesus arrived, Lazarus had died. And we pick up in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, uh, the story. When Martha heard that that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And here's what I want you to notice. Martha did her hostess job even while grieving the death of her brother. She went to meet Jesus outside while Mary stayed inside. And we see her faith in Jesus saying, even now God will give you whatever you ask, Lord. And she does profess that she believes that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God. But what, from what happens next, uh, it's clear that Martha doesn't fully understand the power of the one whom she just professed faith in. So as the story is told, Jesus commands those who were gathered there because they happen to be right by the cemetery, right by the graveyard. He says, roll the stone away from the crypt, from the grave. And then Martha jumps in. Martha says, but Lord, by, the time, by this time there is a bad odor for he's been in there for three days. I mean, she's very practical. She understands what's been going on and uh, she's not fully believing what Jesus is talking about. And again, I'll, I'll turn to Sue Richards because I appreciate what she said. She said, how like Martha most of us are. We have faith in Jesus, even great faith. Yet when we are called to exercise that faith in impossible situations, we focus on the obstacles rather than on God's unlimited ability to act. Jesus reminds Martha and us where we are to focus our faith in any situation. It's supposed to be on God. At the, as that chapter's wrapping up, Jesus said this, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He's going to reveal God's glory. So Martha was a devoted and a dedicated servant of Jesus. She was one of those dependable persons we can count on to do what's needed. We see her working in the kitchen and serving. She was a worker, sometimes task-oriented, uh, but Martha was a significant person of faith in that family and her contributions to its well-being and to uh, the followers of Jesus was vital. We must not mis mistake Martha's practical approach to being a follower of Jesus as a lack of faith. And in fact, the scriptures protect us from that misunderstanding because they tell us that Jesus loved Martha and they show us Martha affirming her faith in him. So that's Martha. Now let's take a look at Mary. Mary also was dedicated, but she was something a little different. She was a dedicated and extravagant worshiper. We meet Mary on the same occasion when Jesus and the disciples dropped by her house for a meal. On this occasion, while Martha busily prepared a meal for their guest, we read this. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Mary's decision, as we saw earlier, exasperated Martha to such an extent that 
Martha went in and interrupted Jesus' teaching and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, from this encounter, we cannot assume that Mary never helped with the household chores. But what we can tell is when Jesus visited, she was going to spend her time with him. And in fact, Jesus commends her for choosing to do this. Mary was so consumed with thoughts of Christ that she became completely oblivious to everything else. She sat at his feet and she listened to him intently, absorbing every word, every nuance. Now, by no means was she being lazy. She simply understood the true importance of the occasion. The Son of God was a guest in her home. And listening to him and worshiping him were at that moment the very best use of Mary's energies and the one right place for her to focus her attention. So, the next time we see Mary, it's after the death of her brother Lazarus. She's consumed with grief for his passing. While her sister goes out to greet Jesus when he arrives, Mary stays in the house overwhelmed by her brother's death. When she finally realizes that Jesus is there, she quickly leaves the house and she goes to him. And, and we read that she falls at his feet weeping. Now, some of us may be tempted to say that she's just being dramatic. But that's her wiring, all right? And she says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, look, this is what we see about Mary. We've already seen she's spiritually sensitive. Now we see how emotionally expressive she is. She throws herself at his feet. She weeps openly. She collapses in grief. It's also important for us to note that every time we see Mary in the presence of Jesus, her posture is one of worship as she bows at his feet. This type of expressive posture says, I'm humbled to be in this person's presence. This type of posture says, this person is greater than I am. This kind of posture says, this person deserves my attention and my reverence. This is a posture of worship. Now, keep that thought in mind because in the very next chapter of the Gospel of John, we see Mary at the feet of Jesus again. This is after, J after Lazarus has been raised from the dead, and now they're throwing a big party, and Lazarus is sitting at the table with Jesus. Guess where Martha is? She's serving. And then Mary comes in. This is what we read. Mary, who's spiritually sensitive and emotionally in touch, Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Wow. Now, let me do a little bit of clarification here. You know, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, contain a story uh, of a woman who uh, put perfume on the feet of Jesus, anointed his feet with it. But if you study them closely you will discover that they're not all talking about the same event. John, Matthew, and Mark, they describe what Mary does that we just read. And she does it in the town of Bethany where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived. And she does it the week before Jesus' crucifixion. It's important because Jesus says, she's doing this to prepare my body for burial. Nobody got that then. 
Luke describes something totally different. You see, earlier on in the, in the ministry of Jesus, he had gone not to Bethany, but he had gone to the home of a Pharisee. And in Luke's gospel, the woman who comes in and anoints Jesus' feet with perfume as refer, is referred to one who lived a sinful life. And Jesus used her actions as an opportunity to teach about forgiveness. But in the other three Gospels, not only uh, does it happen in the town of Bethany, as I said, where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived, uh, but in all three of those stories, one of the disciples protests. He says, not that her actions were extravagant, that's our interpretation, he says they were wasteful. Why wasn't this perfume sold? Because it was very expensive. And in those stories, in John and Matthew and Mark, we see Mary's spiritual sensitivity. She's overwhelmed with gratitude to Jesus who has just brought her brother back to life. Remember, he had been in the tomb for four days and she wants to express her love, and her thanks. You know, it's very likely that uh, these sisters had heard about uh, the woman who had lived a sinful life, who had anointed Jesus' feet and uh, wiped them with her hair. And so Mary, who always wanted to sit at Jesus' feet and worship him, saw this is a meaningful way to also show her gratitude. It's almost a reenactment, and it would have fit into Mary's personality, signifying how much she loved Jesus and wanted to express that love in a supreme act of gratitude. Mary's act was just that, worship, an act of worship. And it was startling. Even though many of them had heard about the woman who had done it before, it's still startling to witness it, startling to see it, and startling to see the extravagance. Remember, Judas said, why wasn't this sold so that we could use it to feed the poor? Judas didn't care about the poor. He cared about the money. You know, he says, he's recording a scripture saying it was worth a year's wages. Now, you know, if you're familiar with that story, you may hear that term and you just sort of, it just flies over your head. So let's put it in today's context. In U.S. dollars today, a year's wages would be over $63,000. I actually went online, and there is perfume that costs a million dollars. It's really not about the perfume as much as it is the jeweled container that it's in. But, but think that one through. Think that one through. If you had something of value worth a year's wages, and you were going to use it in such a manner, how extravagant that would be. But Mary was a dedicated and extravagant worshiper of Jesus who loved him like her brother and sister did. Mary was also spiritually sensitive, displaying an awareness of Jesus' moods that none of the disciples seemed to have. Mary was emotionally expressive falling at the feet of Jesus, weeping freely and loving generously. So you can see the way these two sisters are uniquely wired. They have distinctively different personalities. And what I want you to see this morning is that they're both important. 
Um, you know, as I said, sometimes the temptation is to say that one is a true follower of Jesus and the other one wasn't. Uh, to do so would be missing the unique, beautiful faith that each one of these women held. But what we can learn from their lives is that there is a right order to things. So let's look at the right order this morning. Let's return to that first encounter with Martha and Mary when Jesus drops by for dinner. Martha is distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and Mary sits at the Lord's feet listening to what he has, what he has to say. And the conflict there ensues. And Martha interrupts Jesus and complains about Mary's lack of assistance. And Jesus responds with these words, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. From Jesus' response, we're reminded that focusing on Jesus, focusing on God in our lives is the one needed good thing for every single one of us. From Martha and Mary's stories, there are three principles. And I want us to look at those and keep them in mind because as we follow Jesus, we need to recognize that he calls us to put him first in our lives. Regardless of the wiring of our personalities or the, the types of gifts that we have. So here's the first principle that we should seek to honor and observe. And it is that this, to honor others over ourselves. The hallmark of being a follower of Christ is honoring others over ourselves. The Apostle Paul writes about this time and time again. In the book of Romans, he says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is just one of dozens of what I call the one another's, where, where in the New Testament we see these commands that say we're supposed to love and care for one another and however the Scripture says. Christ followers should always be humble and always ready to serve others and to honor others above themselves. You know, Martha's external behavior at first appeared to be true servanthood. She was the one who put on the apron and went to work with the task of serving others. But her treatment of Mary soon revealed a serious defect in her servant's heart. She allowed herself to become critical and sharp-tongued. Uh, such words in front of the other guests were certain to humiliate Mary. So Martha either gave no thought to the hurtful effect of her words on her sister, or she simply didn't care. But Mary didn't put others above herself either. Now, assuming they knew that Jesus was coming to dinner with the disciples, assuming that they knew that, they would make preparations, so Mary could have done things before the guest of honor arrived so that both women could sit and listen to Jesus. But it's possible that she was so self-absorbed in what she wanted to do that she didn't take time to communicate with her sister about what she was going to do when Jesus arrived. So if both women had placed the other above themselves, the conflict would have never occurred. So honor others over ourselves. Here's the second principle. Worship over service. Worship before service. You know, we can't ignore the words of Jesus when he said, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. 
John MacArthur writes these words. He says, Mary had chosen that good part. She had discovered the one thing needful, true worship and devotion of one's heart and full attention to Christ. That was a higher priority even than service. And the good part she had chosen would not be taken from her even for the sake of something as gracious and beneficial as helping Martha prepare Jesus a meal. Mary's humble, obedient heart was a far greater gift to Christ than Martha's well-set table. This establishes worship as the highest of all priorities for every Christian. Nothing, including even service rendered to Christ, is more important than listening to Him and honoring Him with all our hearts. So worship first. Now, let me say this. I want to make it clear that our work can be an act of worship. Uh, whenever we serve God and whenever we do work for Him in God-honoring ways, we are glorifying and worshiping Him. The Apostle Paul understood this. That's why he wrote, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So Jesus wasn't saying that Martha wasn't honoring him or worshiping him by her, his service. But what he was saying is that giving our undivided attention to God is the most important thing. So choose worship over service. Here's the third principle we learn from their stories. Faith over works. Our faith in Jesus, what we believe, is more important than what we do. Faith gives us salvation, not deeds. But a real faith will result in following Jesus in such a way that it will produce the fruit of good deeds. Remember this morning when we had the baptism, I said baptism doesn't save you, but you are baptized because you're being faithful to Jesus' command, obedient to his command, to be baptized in his name. That action is the fruit of faith. We are saved by faith. Now, um, faith takes priority over works, but we need to see that the two are needed in the life of a Christ follower. Together, the apostles Paul and James tell us what the right order is. Paul tells us this, you've been saved through faith, not by works. And James tells us that faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So Martha and Mary provide for us a balanced picture of what it means to follow Jesus. See, regardless of what our personalities are more like, of who they're more like, and regardless if we identify more with Martha or more with Mary, we need to cultivate faith and works in the right order. I encourage you. Read their stories again, and you will see both women believed in Jesus and both women worshiped and served Jesus. Now, here's the deal. When you study Martha and Mary, you tend to say, well, I'm more Martha or I'm more Mary. If you take it to the extreme, some people will say, well, Mary was the one who was in the right and Martha was in the wrong. But here's the deal. These two sisters 
were created by God with unique personalities. They both believed in Jesus. They both were given gifts to serve Jesus and the kingdom of God. They were both saved by their faith in him. Yes, Martha was more inclined to be the one who served, and Mary was the one who was more inclined to sit at the feet of Jesus and worship. But here's what I want you to know. Figure out which way you're more inclined. If it's more like Martha or if it's more like Mary, then try to balance things out with a little more of the other sister's inclination. Now, last week I shared with you that all through this series, we're going to hear from real-life women, followers of Christ, who are living out stories that are similar to what we see in Scripture. So I'm going to invite Lisa Truentrin to come up. She's going to share with us a little bit about uh, how she has learned a bit about the uh, Martha and Mary in her life. So thank you. Uh, why don't we show her a warm Valley Brook welcome? Thank you. So, uh, you know, we're in, um, in your guys' uh, life group. We love being there. And I see a little bit of uh, Mary and the Martha when we're in life group together. But yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, thank you for everything you shared today, too. Yeah. It's um, definitely times in my life where I've experienced both the, like, good and the struggles of yeah. both Mary yeah. and Martha. So it's great to be able to share. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so um, you know, I've, um, before I knew Christ, mm -hmm. um, I didn't really know how to have a relationship, like any kind of relationship. I spent a lot of my time growing up um, just feeling like nobody really wanted to be around me um, or be my friend, except for my daddy. But my parents were divorced, and I only saw him like twice a month. But when we were together, um, those times were really special. And it didn't matter what we did as long as we were together. And we just focused on that. The rest of my life outside of that was like work. I was trying to earn notice that I might do something right or work hard enough to meet somebody's need that they might want to keep me around. Um, and uh, they may want to be my friend. Uh, it was like this from when I was very little um, all the way through college. Uh, and I was the hardest worker that anybody knew, by the way. <laughs> um, and in those seasons, you know, before Christ, I was very much like Martha. I was always busy working and doing and working some more. Anyhow, after I accepted um, Jesus as my Savior in, uh, back in 99, um, I really googled grew quick in loving worship and quiet time with God and in prayer, and the Mary in me was ignited. Um, I feel like this really healed all of those uh, relational wounds and gaps, really like empty holes and voids. It's not like I felt intentionally wounded by those around me. I was just a giant, hurting, relational mess. Um, the Holy Spirit did a miracle in me, and I was able to have relationships like I always dreamed, like I guess I was created to have. Um, it affected my earthly relationships and my relationship with God. Yeah. It's you know, true that those are yeah. very connected. It seems so natural for me to relate to God um, in this way, like Mary, mm -hmm. um, and the stories that you told today. Um, so when I hear a story about Mary at the feet of Jesus, um, I literally like quite literally go um, to that place just like her yeah. um, sitting at his feet. Yeah, that's cool. So you felt more like uh, Mary when you became a new Christian. Mm -hmm. 
That's 20 years ago. Yes. Um, but now you feel more like Martha. How did that shift happen, and what did that feel like for you? Yeah, so um, years after becoming a Christian and getting married and starting a family, um, I felt like I was really maturing. Is that what Christians say? Maturing. <laughs> um, I started using all my worldly skills and gifts to serve my family and church and even outside communities. And you can find out what your skills and gifts are by going to step two of the growth track today. <laughs> um, I guess that was, you know, just all a progression of my maturity is, you know, serving others with um, a new heart that Jesus had given me. But soon I found myself sleep deprived from babies and serving and meeting needs that I got busy enough that I didn't have time to just sit quiet like Mary in the presence of God at his feet. Gone were the times that I would do that, you know, every day. Uh, and the needs around me to serve seemed so great. Um, and it really seemed to make a difference in everything that I was involved in. Um, and it, it seemed just easier to just work. Yeah. Um, one thing that that shift did for me, though, was bring back some of that old me mm. um, that worked for friendship and connection and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that negative part, um, that Martha part, mm -hmm. not that Martha's negative, but the before Christ Martha yeah. part. Yeah. Um, although she was really needed, um, that part, she didn't care if Mary yeah. was around. Um, and that's how it changed. It was kind of slow. Yeah, yeah. So there was a season in your life when you felt uh, that spending time worshiping and learning from God came easily. What was that like? So um, the season, you know, right now, I guess it's um, realizing that there is that struggle inside me, yeah. um, that, both, but that both Mary and Martha in me are beautiful um, and useful mm -hmm. um, and loved and needed and both created by God. Um, but I know that for me and what God's done in my life, I need to kind of have that merry heart first yeah. when it comes to connecting with him. Um, I can't work and serve my way into um, a relationship with God. Yeah. Just like I want to be able to sit at a table with people that I'm close with um, and lounge for hours in my family room, like a life group on a Friday night with <laughs> about 13 people showing up for dinner uh, every yeah, week. Yeah. And, yes. um, and uh, I get so much healing and connection by sitting with God in that way and with, you know, people that I'm close with. Um, I was never taught any of this, like, you know, in a study or a seminar. Um, someone didn't sit me down and be like, connect with God, you know, this way. Um, it was literally God, you know, just drew me to himself in that way um, years ago. And when I first started reading the Bible, um, you know, I could naturally relate to both of the women. Um, but when Jesus said that what Mary chose was best, um, I knew that that was a little nugget for me, and I'm grateful that God would love me so much um, that he would, by his spirit, make that impression on me to um, come to him. And like, I literally will get on my knees and um, just a little practical thing, um, just getting on your knees before God and no one's around and it's just you and him. And um, I sometimes just ask God, tell me something about yourself. And sometimes a song will come to mind and he'll reveal, you know, yeah. something new about him or just something I need to be reminded of 
maybe it's a song from Sunday pops back up. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that time for him at his feet when it's not um, regular, mm -hmm. like, you know, right now in this busy season, um, I get sad because I've experienced that um, so many times. I'm almost like in grief that I haven't connected with him um, as often. I do get there sometimes, but you know, not as not as regularly. Yeah. So, how do you balance the Mary Martha tension with worshiping God and serving God? Because you know, I'm guessing there's a lot of us out here that identify with Martha or identify with Mary, and 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 also realize there's got to be some balance in life. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I had some like amazing motivational <laughs> like thing to share here that would make a difference. Um, I don't have like a secret sauce that kind of fixes it, but if I did, I would have already used it and wouldn't be able to share <laughs> about struggling here. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I'm so grateful that even in the midst of that, um, I can share about his goodness in my life and, yeah. you know, the, um, where he's brought me. And um, he's given me so many vivid, um, tangible experiences where I've been close to him. And I can really draw on those times and and um, it's not just like a living in the glory days experience. I can go back to what I did practically before, um, how I can get before him and, yeah. and um, be with him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm currently working on some practical things to allow um, more of that. Just like you would if you wanted to work on your relationship with your spouse or with a child or a situation yeah. at work, you can, um, you know, make room for that connection or that change. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not like I can, the practical to-do list, <laughs> create that spiritual yeah. connection, but I do have to make, um, you know, practical choices in order to create that space um, to connect with him. For me, when I'm so full of stuff and to-do lists and kids and work and um, serving, um, sometimes um, I don't have a lot of room for, for the Mary. Yeah. Um, one of the things, like just as an example, when I'm preparing for... 13 people to come to dinner. Um, you know, um, I do want Jesus in the room. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can you can cook a meal and and you can, I mean, it isn't pretending like it's not real because the Holy Spirit's very real, yeah. but yeah. God, I'm making this meal because you're coming. Yeah. So yeah. that's um, really great. And, you know, so both, um, you know, that merry heart, yeah. I'm getting to a place where you, know, you can have that merry heart in your Martha work. Yeah. So um, both show love yeah. and are needed, um, but Mary's been a little bit more on a vacation lately. <laughs> so, um, but um, I've been making really great strands, and I'm glad that God's calling me back to that. Yeah. And um, well. Thanks for letting me share that yeah. today. Well, you know, as Cynthia and I are in your group, and we, we just observe, you know, that you, that you, honestly, you do a good job of balancing uh, Martha and Mary. And, uh, you Thank know, you. the food's always on the stove, but worship music is normally on when we come into the house, too. So, yes. uh, so you know. Uh, thank you for sharing. You know, uh, thank you for uh, letting uh, people in to your life. And if you want to talk to Lisa afterwards, she'll be up front. Uh, I mm -hmm. encourage you to do so. Okay. Right now, I want to pray for her and for anybody else that uh, may be uh, wrestling with uh, the Martha Mary thing. So if you would, bow your heads. Father, we thank you that we have the example of these women. 
And Lord, I thank you for Lisa sharing uh, just uh, her honesty about her life as a follower of you and, and wrestling with um, both the Mary and the Martha personality. And so Lord, I ask that you would bless her and all of us as we seek to balance both of those personalities and, and to live them out in ways that honor you and glorify you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.